Welcome to Ed's Not Dead. I'm Robbie Dodd. I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, Mr. C.H. Siddons. Hey. Hey, Mr. Sids. Welcome back. It's good to see you. Good to see you as well. And of course, Mr. Peter Crable. Hey, how's it going? All right, fellas. It has been a, a minute since we have uh, recorded a podcast, but we still exist. Ed's Not Dead. Have No Fear is still... Should we tell our listeners where you've been, Dr. Dodd? Sure, go ahead. Okay, so spill the, spill I, I think beans. we need to share the fact that Dr. Dodd's been away for a while fishing <laughs> in various parts of the chasing, northeast, western chasing the salmon. Yeah. yeah, chasing the steelhead salmon in the rivers of <laughs> Nagasaki. <laughs> And New Zealand. And New Zealand, that's right. Thank you for sharing that with our listeners. As always, you can find us at Ed's Not Dead PC on Twitter. And of course, check us out. Check out the website, edsnotdead.com. We are very happy to be back. We have a great show for you tonight. Um, Ed's Not Dead is brought to you by Ed's Not Dead Media, full-service educational media company specializing in leadership, instruction, and 21st century. What's that last part say? I can't even read the ads. School reform. <laughs> School reform. Thank you. Who took um, out the curating? Uh, I took out curating. You didn't, you didn't yeah, like it. Huh? Back at the beginning of the well, season. Curating. Uh, it, was, <laughs> it was. It had to go. Um, <laughs> fellas, we are uh, excited to have Miriam Platinsky on the show tonight, who wrote Hover Less, Teach More. Correct, Mr. Sids? That's right. That's right. She's an instructional specialist and has some amazing ideas about how to improve instruction. Uh, especially in the secondary classroom. All right, fellas, we got to get caught up. So we have a big celebration, Mr. Sids. Yeah. Are you ready? Let's hear it. Aside from my world traveling fishing, Mr. Crable has a new job. That's right. A new job. He will be starting a new job uh, July 1st, I believe. He is now... Mr. Mr. Craves, you want to tell our, our listeners? Yeah, yeah. No, I will, uh, starting July 1st, be a principal of a middle school. Woo! Yeah. So exciting. Mr. Crable, yeah. congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. We're very, <laughs> that is the most tepid <laughs> response oh, ever. Oh, well, you, you're welcome. <laughs> I know. Like, Thank you. So excited. Well, no. he, has, he has issues with emoting. Um, <laughs> uh, excuse me. Excuse me. What? Is, what? I think now would be a good time to bring up the email that I wrote you. Oh, that. Oh, that's true. Casey that, doesn't okay. even know about that email. Oh, I, I stand. I stand corrected. There was. And an you email said that- you would never again call me an emotionless barren wasteland. <laughs> <or whatever>. Wow. <laughs> There's I, so did. Many I, did. So, I did. I stand so corrected. You're right. He. Yeah. Crable. Crable had a moment of deep emotion <laughs> so after. After so after I got the job and was named and was all official and everything, I thought it would be, you know, the right thing to do to write a couple emails thanking some people who had been important or influential to me along the way. So I wrote a very nice um thank you note to to Dr. Dodd that I found on the internet and I copied and pasted. (laughs) (laughs) How to write about feelings. from I psychology to say, today i have to say mr siddons i was very touched i i i was i was incredulous while i was reading it um it was but it I'll, was I'll, if you give me a couple of minutes i can check my spam folder um, <laughs> see, <laughs> see where yours is yeah i just haven't checked that in a while oh no i yeah it was there it was there and okay that's yeah what I, same I day maybe a day later yeah i just have but a little bit of dates on keep, it just look for my last name. i'll look for it closer yeah. 
Anyway, uh, Mr. Krabs, congratulations. We Congrats. Know we, we know you're psyched to be a middle school principal. It's be awesome. You're, yeah, you're, you're big gonna, time. You're going to be amazing. Thank you. The only thing I was thinking, too, though, is um, uh, it's all this, all this stuff. First, Casey gets a new job, then he's an administrator, and then I get a new job, and I'm a, it's kind of ruining the podcast. We used to have balance. We had this we did. teacher, AP, yeah. principal thing, and now, you know. Just, yeah. Man, I don't we're know. One, we're the one percenters now. And we're all we're all <laughs> totally totally divorced from the classroom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe well, maybe we switch the focus of the pod to leadership. I don't know. Um, <laughs> uh, we no, we we we. Casey's going to be our lifeline to instruction. He will always stay. He will always a t- stay a teacher at heart. Yeah, I hope teacher. so. You're a teacher at heart, Mister. Yeah, you're a teacher's teacher. Thank you. Thank you. Um, all right. So that's what's been going on in Mr. Crabe's world. Mr. Siddons, how you been? I'm doing great. I'm doing yep. great. Uh my lawn projects are up to date. I'm good. Um I and, saw the corner uh, of the house you did around the the AC, the unit. You, yeah, you that's really, right. We gotta really escape that. Well, we have I, I tried to bring up the the oak hydrangea idea that you came up with, but the uh, elite. Oakley the oak leaf hydrangeas. I haven't been able to sell them up to Sarah yet. Oh well, she, um, your bride is missing out. Listen, I mean, the oak, I, I, the oak I know. leaf hydrangea is a winner. It's, it looks like a winner to me. She's not. She's not buying it, huh? I think you need to give her a call. Tbh, okay, I'll, I'll I'll talk to her. But I, uh, you know, I I I'm a little resentful because of that. I you know I always like her amazing. Um, landscaping picture she takes and posts on instagram yeah it's of other it's of other people's properties so i know (laughs) i did realize after a few of them that it was not your yard (laughs) yeah yeah yep yep. but but she's pretty she's pretty consistent she really likes she's she's she takes some really great she does she does yeah and bobby d does a pretty pretty good eye for the the landscaping the foliage yeah, he gave me some already to, to be, ideas to work on. To be trusted, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you need to come over and uh, we were supposed to get together tonight after the pod, but we'll uh, you'll have to come over and check out the the yard here soon. I, I did have some time when I had COVID. I got Oof. an early. I uh, yeah, my COVID my COVID was not great, um, but kind of part of my recuperation was in the early spring. I would just for a few minutes every day, I would go out in the back and I would just not push it too hard. I, the, what they say about COVID is true. I would get incredibly totally fatigued, winded. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. winded. Yeah. But I got a good start on my yard this year. So it's looking, it's looking pretty good right now. So Mr. Siddons, what else? How's Frida? Everything else is good. Doing well. Still working on the potty train thing. I don't like it. I'd rather just pay someone to do it for me. So if you know anybody, <laughs> the potty training kind of, thing kind of goes along with being a parent. I know. I'm not sure you can outsource that. I know, I know, I know. Yeah, I was going to say outsource about it. Yeah, it is a lot. It's but a, once it's, you get through it and, and you're done with diapers, it is. Oh, yeah. yeah she's, right. she's wearing underwear and she's doing number one just fine. Okay. All righty then. How many how many pairs of shorts and pants have you had to throw away? No, she's she can okay. hold it for a while. She's pretty okay. good. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure Frida, in the days of the future, when she wants to hear her old man's voice and finds the podcast and hears about <laughs> you talking about her not being able to hold it, she's gonna. Well, be I mean, 
if if she were f- seven, then I, I it would be problematic. <laughs> <laughs> but things right. are good. We're we're doing well. You're doing well. Uh, yeah, okay. yeah. I'm excited for the. I'm excited for summer because yep. it's it's a time of as you say the perennial renewal. Yep. Uh, and I'm excited to think about ways in which we can do things better and change things up for next year from a school perspective. It wouldn't be that though, if you had your druthers and we it's true. It's very true. It's very so, good point. And, and I won't have my druthers. I'm going to enjoy the, the nine months and the summers for as long as I can. Yeah. Um, I don't blame you. It is, it is, it is the time of renewal. Yeah. All right. Um, fellas, we don't typically do show feedback anymore, but we did have a show feedback from Christmas. <laughs> that I, I I do think it's Christmas because uh, Sal- Sally Mc- Sally McCarthy, who was nice enough to leave us feedback about the pod, I think she was wrapping presents while she wrote this. Um, but <laughs> oh God! Better late than Man. never. Robbie, I was up early wrapping a few gifts and listening to your podcast. Or ready, Mister Siddons? Let's hear it. The brocast, as Sally likes to call it, it's a little painful. I think Oof. she, I think she means it kind of in a complimentary way. It hurts. Um, the never-ending question about math tracking and teaching always interesting to unpack, since every human seems to have their own story and willing to share their math trauma. <laughs> I have a few female edhead friends, and we usually dig into how gender informs math education. We always agree that schools should teach single gender math classes, or at least pilot them. Of course, no administrator would ever touch that hot rock idea. I don't think she's wrong about that. <laughs> uh, anyway, that was her. Uh, that was her feedback on the show. Um, thanks, Allie. She's a friend of the pod. She's. I didn't actually know she was a friend of the pod until she sent the feedback. So we appreciate you listening. I, what is the? Did we talk about single gender math classes? I don't think we did. No, we talked. What about is the, math, what's the, math tracking? I remember talking about that, but what is the? What's the? the purpose behind single gender math classes? Well, I think there's, I think there's, I'm, I'm getting a little bit over my skis here, but I do think there are probably historically been some gender inequities in STEM, hmm. specifically math in the way expectations for boys versus girls in, in those areas have played out. Huh. Um, that's 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 my guess i mean i think historically girls have not been given the same opportunities and access um it's probably better now i would imagine and um, i wonder if it has anything to do with like folks that feel a certain way to respond or to participate in math classes based on their gender or to be okay to be wrong i'd like to learn more about that uh, okay okay to be wrong or also you know can the idea of single single gender um, classes can is there some increased psychological safety for kids, as you said, to be wrong or to take risks or be themselves? Um, so I don't know. Yeah, it's it's a it's an interesting idea. Any thoughts about that, Mister Graves? Uh, only only in the sense that I've um, at times wondered about. Uh, single gendered classrooms in middle school specifically. Right. Um, and then like what the effects would be. And I, and I'm not like super pro for it or anything. I just wonder being such a, um, like a socially driven time and, you know, um, oftentimes hormonal, um, yeah. And changes, so, 
over the top, pure conscious. Right, right. And just, you know, and I, I mean, even as I'm saying it, like I see flaws in the argument and say, well, it's, you know, not all girls are the same and not all boys are the same. And right. would that create its own issues in and of itself of like, if you're a boy in this male classroom and it's supposed to be, you know, whatever box that it's supposed to be and everybody's supposed to fit in it and you don't fit in it, the problems that would right up. But um, I don't know. And, it and is, the I idea, did, na- the yeah. idea now of a dichotomy in gender is problematic as well. Right. True. Yeah. So um, I think we'd have to, that would have to be obviously considered. Yeah. Um, all right, Sally, thanks for the feedback. All right, fellas. Um, before we welcome Miriam onto the show, uh, last week there was another school shooting um, in Uvalde, Texas, where 19 elementary aged children were killed um, at Rob Elementary School. That's R O B B, and two teachers were killed. Um, I think in a single classroom, if I'm not incorrect. Yeah. And, um, so this is the most recent, um, school shooting that follows about 10 days, I think less than two weeks before a racially racist motivated, um, killing in Buffalo, New York of, um, predominantly African-American citizens in a supermarket. Right. Um, but we have another, school shooting i guess parkland was four years ago um yep and uh i was thinking about this you know i don't know if we worked together at 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 the middle school at the time um we did with newtown yeah with newtown but you might remember that after newtown I put that table in front of the front door for the rest yes. of the year. Remember that? Yeah, the security guard. Uh, yep, and and support staff and others that um, that man that table all day, every day. And mm-hmm. I, 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 over time, people became somewhat resentful of it. Um, but I, much like Barack Obama at the time, that that um, that school shooting and the murder of those children changed me um as a principal and this one um has just been i it's been it's been harder for me to read about this one than um ones in the past i don't know if it's just i can't take it um and it's just it's just too much to bear yeah um so anyway i i didn't i didn't think we could have the show without talking about it um i don't know what your thoughts necessarily are on it but um it obviously can take us in a lot of different directions but just the idea that 19 children and two teachers in a field that you know who would have ever thought education um would be a profession where people get killed yeah um that just doesn't that doesn't seem right yeah yeah it's it's a lot in in I'm kind of with you in in the sense that um, I think in previous, specifically when it was like Newtown, um, like I couldn't wrap my brain around it. So I, I sought out more information because I just couldn't understand. I just couldn't understand how that could happen. Yeah. How anyone could do that. How, 
I, I just couldn't understand how that could happen to children in a classroom. And um, I think the difference for me now is sadly I've, I've seen it happen before. So I understand that it can happen and you know, it's not to numb yourself or wall yourself off from the feelings, but um, you know, it's a sad reality now, you know, twice in nine years, it's, it's, you know, it's not every week or every other year, but it's, it's a thing, you know, the, the killing of children, the murder of children in a classroom is a thing that happens in America, you know, and unfortunately, or, or I don't know about that one, you know, I'm, I still am like naive enough to think that things will change. And I still am naive enough to think that at some point, you know, whether it's legislation or whether it's a collective movement in the country, something will happen that will make it demonstrably harder mm-hmm. for, for these things to happen. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I have my own ideas on what those are, starting with the limiting of, um, you know, those types of weapons and the ease in which they can be purchased, I think is a great first step that I would advocate for. Um, but it's, 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 I don't know. It's, I'm just, I've been at a loss for words. And like, my wife has kind of tried to talk to me about it. And I'm just like, I can't even really, I can't really talk to you about it. Like, what, what are we supposed to say? Right. We're here again. What, what are we, what am I supposed to say about it? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been, it's been difficult. Yeah, I feel like this this particular one has impacted me more than Newtown, probably because I one I have a young daughter, mm-hmm. and um, in Newtown I was a teacher at the time, and I remember a teacher coming in crying about it, and it didn't not that it didn't impact me. Obviously, it was extremely upsetting, but ultimately, I, I maybe at the time I wasn't as keen on it, but I knew nothing would change. There's not we, we don't the, the political will and the people in this country don't, it's not there. And maybe like Crable was saying, like, maybe it will change, but I have such low expectations for what the, our political leaders will actually do. And if they're not going to do anything after Newtown, I, I, I don't know. It's just, it's hard for me to get out of the mindset of people are going to do something because we can't keep doing this. Like it's just, like, well, we can keep doing this. We have, we have to keep doing this, but like, that we can't keep allowing our children to be killed in, in schools or at all. We're the only country in the world where this happens. <laughs> it's like, it doesn't happen anywhere else other than the United States. Uh, and it happens. I was in eighth grade when Columbine happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I distinctly remember going into school with bomb threats the next days, you know, you know, looking at the clock in music class, because there was a rumor that at a certain point in the day, there would be another bomb threat. I distinctly remember doing going to active shooter drills as a high school student. I distinctly remember when Virginia Tech happened and we started getting text messages that alerted you of shooters on on our crimes on campus. So like it's been in my my life my entire life and it's like it shouldn't it shouldn't be this way. It doesn't have to be this way. Now you're you're the millennials. I mean my, Gen X might be the last generation that it wasn't school shootings were not a thing. I mean, my sister and I, who's a kindergarten teacher, um, she's just in, if you look at stages of grief, she's, she's incensed. I mean, she's just so mad. Um, But at Fairland elementary, when we were little kids, there was an air raid siren that used to go off like every Wednesday at 1120. (laughs) It was the loudest thing ever. And it was a, it was a, it was a, it was a relic of the cold war. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And by that time in the seventies, we just ignored it. Um, I think at one time you'd get under your desk and such, uh, but there was no, there was no such fear. Right. Um, you're, you're like you said, Casey, I mean, you've since middle school, you've, this has been reality. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, it's just, it's getting worse. Yeah. Um, and so anyway, um, I, I think Kathleen Parker, who I don't love, uh, she's an op-ed writer for the post. I think she said the other day, um, a line that I remembered, it said, you know, if government can't keep kids safe in school, then what's the point of government? Yeah. Um, and, and I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you have these weapons of war and body armor, that you can purchase on the open market with no, with, 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 with abandon, mm-hmm. there's nothing that anybody can do save from having military people outside of schools. Yep. Right. Yep. All right. Um, so when we come back, we will be uh, welcoming Miriam Platinsky on the show. Uh, she wrote the book, Hover less. Oh, excuse me. I had it backwards. Teach more. Hover less. Uh, so don't go away. We'll come back with Miriam. Fellas, we are incredibly excited to have Miriam Platinsky on the show. Miriam is an author and instructional specialist in Maryland who addresses challenges in both teaching and leading across schools with a wide range of differentiated needs. Miriam's a strong advocate for student-centered learning. She provides coaching and professional development for teachers and administrators. Miriam is widely published in Education Week, Edutopia, I just learned how to say that, and more. Visit her at www.miriam.com. Platinsky.com and find her on Twitter at Mirplo MCPS. Miriam, welcome to Ed's Not Dead. Hi, thank you for having me. So great to have you on the show. All right, let's jump in. So you have a new amazing book, Hover Less, Teach More. What pushed you to write um, and tell teachers to hover less and teach more? What's wrong with hovering? (laughs) I know we're, we're browbeating. We were talking about browbeating <laughs> earlier. It's not. I mean, hovering has has its place. I mean, and I can't I can't say that I've never hovered either. So the the first chapter of the book, I think, is the introduction is, is dedicated to my explaining how I used to be what I call very helicoptery, um, and then over time became became less so. And it it wasn't something I think that I initially did consciously either. It was just that I, to be honest, I was tired. Like when all this started and, and, you know, all of you who have taught know this, you come home at the end of the day and your bones, like there's a, there's a level of tired. I think I've heard this, like there's no such, there's no tired, like teacher tired. Um, and I'm sure that extends to anybody who works in the school. So there's also no tired, like administrator tired or, or like, you know, educator tired, but you come home and, and your voice is gone and your limbs are jelly and you've given the best part of yourself all day to other people's children. And you don't really have the time, space, or energy for your own life. And so I started initially just trying to think of ways to talk less. That's how it all began. Uh, Because I noticed that 
my voice was tired and I don't have a really strong like baritone <laughs> bass voice that some some luckier teachers go into the field with. And then, I mean, the, the, the real start happened with um, a creative writing class that I taught where there was no curriculum. And that's why I wanted to teach it. There was a teacher at my school and uh, she decided to, to move on, to do something else. And I went to my department chair at the time and I was like, hey, can I teach creative writing? And she said to me, well, do you have any background in that? And I didn't. <laughs> None whatsoever, except that I was an English teacher. And what happened was it was the first class I'd ever taught where students could just do what they wanted to do. And the more I let them take over and the more they decided what they wanted to write, I I always had the same option. Here's a project you could do, or you could just write something for me as long as you hit the deadlines. And so that was the first place that I got to experiment with that. And then I could take the same kinds of methods and extend them into classes with an actual set curriculum like AP classes or English classes or, or what have you. Um, and I wrote an article about that, I think in 2019 uh, for Ed Surge. And then I started writing about it for Edutopia. And eventually a publisher wrote to me and was like, hey, have you ever thought about writing a book? At which point I was like, you know what? I'm going to figure out in a very organized way how to communicate this and give strategies and tools. And so it really became like a guide as opposed to, I didn't want to talk about it. I wanted to show it. Can I, Mr. Siddons, can I jump in real quick? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so hovering for our, for our listeners, is it actual physical hovering or is it the idea of kind of hovering cognitively where you're, where you're controlling what kids are doing and learning or is it both? So it's all of the above, you know, like, uh, and, and I saw this more as an observer of classrooms, but you walk into a classroom and there's, there's someone who's literally jumping from desk to desk or table group to table group. And whenever they're, wherever they are, things are happening, but then the proximity goes away. So it's like whack-a-mole, right? (laughs) You know, you help one group of kids, the other group of kids kind of falls off and then you're moving around. So it could be the physical hovering over a child or a group of children. Um, but it's also the controlling of the cognitive space. Like I'm going to plan out every last second of this class, bell to bell. And we think of that as being a good thing. And in some ways it is, but you're not leaving any space for anything to happen except what you have planned to the point where if you're having a conversation, so like student to student discourse or a, a discussion in the class and it veers a little bit off, you're going to see a teacher go straight back to where it was supposed to be and miss out on an opportunity to have a deeper conversation about something, even if it's tangential, because you're just controlling it to that point. You're afraid to lose pieces of your instruction. So you, you start um, your book's action plan with a quote uh, that says, we've been conditioned to believe that meaningful learning happens only in our presence. And, um, you know, you were just talking about allowing and giving kids the space to grow sort of like outside of your um, not, I don't know, of control, but it's kind of like, so you're not all controlling all the time. And I guess like, how do you, how do you balance that with the sort of opposite ex- extreme of being really hands off, you know, so that somebody coming in would be like, wow, this teacher isn't doing anything. You know what I mean? Um, like where, when do you know as a, as an educator, wh- where that sweet spot is and like when you're hitting it for, all kids like how do you gauge success so 
the first part of it is that you can't be doing the hands off all the time. It doesn't make sense. It's not balanced. You know, just like like any other part of our lives, we want to be balanced. So one thing that I suggest, so there's four stages in this book that I recommend, and you don't necessarily have to do them in order. They can be recursive or you can sort of hop around, but, you know, think about your mindset. What do you believe about how kids learn and, and why they learn and when they learn? Um, think about how you build relationships with them. So I'm not talking about rapport. Rapport is really important, but in this sense, it's do they feel safe taking academic risks in your classroom? So not just can you talk to them as a person, but do you validate the ideas they share in your class no matter what? Uh, the third step, step is planning for engagement. So you're including students in the lesson planning process in various ways. Again, they don't have control over the whole thing. They're not the teachers, but you are definitely figuring out what they know ahead of time, how they learn, asking questions, and then showing them how you've incorporated their ideas. And the fourth kind of gets to your question, Peter, which is the, the choice-based instruction. A couple days a week, you can be selecting what kids do yourself and you can have a very hands-on approach, but then a couple days a week, maybe they have more control. So as an example, when I wake up in the morning, I have a list of maybe five things that have to happen that day. I'm saying five, it's an arbitrary number. I can choose as an adult very often what I do first. So for example, I'm a writer. I write at my best first thing in the morning. That's when I write. If I have to wait till later, it's not going to go as well. And so I know myself and how I work. We don't give kids that same opportunity almost ever. They don't have the chance to choose how they work and when they work. So if just like for one or two days a week, you could say, here are the, here are the three things that have to happen this week. Today in class, you can work on any of them and set up a space where they can move through that space, also gives you the freedom to talk to them. That's what I mean a little bit by not ceding absolute control, but by giving them more control and giving them more of a voice. And how do you measure that? That's a really good question. You measure that in your results. So first of all, I know that we're very into metrics around grades and you could look at performance success, but you can also look at metrics of how many people are raising their hands whether different people are raising their hands. Whenever you're in a classroom, you can tally. You know, there are different ways of keeping track how kids participate. Um, how much are kids turning in assignments? Are there changes in what you're seeing the more you try some of these methods? So there are various, like very specific tools within the book. You can adapt them for your own needs. You can do them as a group. You can do them as an individual. It's really up to you because teaching styles differ. But the whole idea is, are you moving the needle toward not being quite so dictatorial. All controlling <laughs> all the time. Right. Yeah. It's you like that, Casey? It's supposed to be the you show. And I know you've had this experience if you've walked into classrooms. There's some classrooms you walked into that you walk into and it's it's the teacher's show. And some teachers really like it that way too. Where some of them are looking to change that but just don't know how. So you see a range. Mr. Mr. Crable just took a very cheap shot. He did. I'm, I'm just choosing Mr. to ignore it. I, I wanna, it's actually I wanna, not accurate. I want to clarify did I, a, that. did I miss a cheap shot? Uh, it, it was a cheap shot. It was a, it was, it was a yeah, <laughs> we, we, we always kid Casey that he's never seen a routine he didn't love. But, <laughs> but yeah. Casey was really great as a teacher at creating structure and then giving kids autonomy within that structure sure. to, to learn. Um, all right. Sorry. Go ahead. Thank you, Dr. Dodd. Yep. Uh, so the, I, the one thing I, I think about a lot is, and I think it's, in my experience, has been the hardest thing to change is the belief systems of others, obviously, because it's deep-seated, right? And one of the things that 
um, when you talk about building the capacity of others to kind of take their hands off the wheel a little bit, how do you, how have you found that to be effective in the work that you've done and, and the research that you did for your book? So I agree with you that the hardest thing to change is beliefs. And I, I don't know ultimately if what will change people's minds is someone telling them over and over again that this works. I think in order to, to go through this, you have to be open to the idea that what you're doing might need an overhaul. So, you know, that I get very nervous when I hear any teacher tell me that they've got it figured out. <laughs> you know, like I got this. I've, I've never felt that way about teaching in my right. life. Um, I, you know, it's, it's this ever changing thing. So we're always looking to get better. And almost every teacher I've ever met wants to get better. It's, it's, we don't set out every day to, to just sort of do okay. Um, so the way that I designed the chapter, the research I did indicated that people really, people experience change when they want to. Right. And you know this, we say this all the time in other areas too of life. You know, you can't help people who don't want to be helped. You can't expose people to ideas if they're not open to them. So uh, a lot of the tools in that first chapter are really geared towards self-exploration, like a quiz that you take and sort of like those magazine quizzes. I might be a micromanager if (laughs) you have all these different options. Uh, Yeah. Uh, And I don't know if you took the quiz, if you scored it. Oh, yes, I did. I did. I did in the book. Yes. I'm kind of afraid to ask. How did you do? (laughs) I don't remember the the score, but I I found that, um, you know, just my changing attitudes. I thought about like where I was like maybe the beginning of my career and where I, where I ended up later on. And and it's certainly become much more uh, hands-off. And I I do credit that with, with, to Mr. Crable. I've, I've taken a lot from his playbook over the years, I will say. Well, thank you. (laughs) I don't want to hear about the playbook now. But it's 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 more of a he he, t- he called took, the do nothing playbook. No, no, Crable <laughs> took kidding. I'm kidding. Crable <laughs> always took a, a a more hands off approach to to how he orchestrated learning in a way that it was very relaxed and the kids were very relaxed. But like they did what they needed to do, and um, like Crable doesn't let things get to him, which is a credit to him. Um, well, and, and, I, and I'll say the the guiding philosophy. And and I'll, I'll be curious if this is it all jives with the book is never do anything for somebody else that they can do for themselves. Yeah, and that was kind of like my personal thing that was just like why because and it came out it bore out of the same thing you're talking about where you come home and you're just like I'm so tired <laughs> and you're just like why am I doing everything that's so right. dumb? Well, There's you know, one I guess there, they uh, can do uh, things too. But like I get the other thing I'm thinking about a lot when I was reading this book is. You could be in certain schools or certain levels of schools. Let's and you, the work of being the sage on the stage, the person in front doing all the work, could be pretty easy, right? Like it could, like if kids are compliant and they're doing what they need to do and they're on Chromebooks or whatever, and they they may or may not be, they, they might get to point B where you wanted them to get to that day but is it really engaging is the question that, that I always think about. And that's a hard thing to target for, for a teacher who's been doing it that way. It works. No one's giving anybody any problems. You know, if you don't mess with me, I won't mess with you kind of thing. You know what I mean? I don't know. Uh, there's not really a question to that, but I, I just, <laughs> as I was thinking about it. Well, you know, but it, it actually, it kind of brings me back to the headspace I was in when I was writing this, I wrote this in the first year of the pandemic. So 
the big question that people were asking at the time was, how do I engage students on Zoom? I don't know how to engage students. They don't seem engaged. The cameras are off. The, mm-hmm. you know, the microphones are off. And I really started to think about, okay, so what is engagement? Because for a while, it was synonymous with attendance. Yeah. You know, I can see a person in front of me, therefore they're engaged. And that, that wasn't right. Um, and then, you know, how, how do you manage kids in any space? So that was one of the big questions. The, the first idea for the book started as a concept of near or far, which is how do you engage students no matter where you are? And then it, it morphed into this. Yeah. Um, but I think the other thing is now that we're in our third, ending our third year <laughs> of um, pandemic tinge instruction, or more than a tinge, but whatever. <laughs> Um, one thing that I've seen a lot more in schools is a return to teacher directed instruction. Yeah. And I've thought a lot about why this is like, why is this happening? And my own theory, and I'm interested to hear what you think is that when we were on zoom, and I know this cause I've done a lot of zoom teaching. It just becomes more practical to control the class in terms of, you know, teacher to student. It's a lot harder to orchestrate when your students are far away from you. Mm-hmm. And then when we got back, we came back initially with masks and distancing. And again, very difficult to have student-centered kinds of autonomy going on through that. And even without it, assuming that we're pulling out of it, and I don't know if we are, um, you know, we're still kind of in the habit. And so a lot of people who were using more hover-free teaching methods circa 2019 might not be using them anymore. And then a lot of people came in during that time, a lot of teachers leaving, a lot of teachers coming in. And so what does this mean sort of in the bigger picture of, of why we're not seeing it as much? So um, the one you started off, Miriam, by talking about um, the creative writing course you taught where you didn't have curriculum. And so I'm, I'm especially interested in this because the secondary classroom is a fascinating place. I'm an elementary trained um, educator and content is king to secondary teachers. So I'm, you know, you're you're an English, you're a former English teacher. You know, English teachers like their curriculum, um, as do math, science, social studies. So, you know, you could have a conversation with an AP teacher, and they're going to tell you that I don't have time for that because I have to teach these things. And there's not really any space for autonomy. So just what kind of what's your entry point as a specialist in coaching a teacher through a conversation where there is there is a space for autonomy that will jive with with the with the, with the you know, in all fairness to secondary teachers, the demands of covering curriculum. So if I go on too long, you're gonna have to stop me because I feel very strongly <laughs> about what you just what you just raised. Um, so the short answer. The three-word answer is depth, not pace. And I'm saying this is someone who specializes in curriculum, but I think we really misunderstand what a curriculum is for. When we think about curriculum, and I and I am I was guilty of thinking this too earlier in my career. We think it's sort of the one-stop shop for what we're supposed to do every day. You know, this is I'm gonna do a what followed by a what followed by a what. It's very task-driven, this outlook about what a curriculum is. And really what a curriculum is trying to do is speak to skills. And so sometimes we call them content standards and you're supposed to go in depth into them and and, and learn them more. Now I'm saying this as someone who specializes in one content area only. I don't have as much context for math or science or or what have you, but having taught AP courses for many years and also 
anything else really I've taught, I've taught most of the curriculum in my, in my subject area. You're not looking to cover covering content. Doesn't mean this, this thing where you do like every day, you're, you're reading every page of the novel, you're writing every paragraph of the essay. It's not about completion. You know, it's not about like a starting point and an end point that everyone has to do. It's about how deeply you can go into something. And I remember the day that I learned that I didn't have to teach an essay for students to learn how to write. I just needed to know whether they could put together an argument, whether they could support the argument, whether they could provide evidence and then commentary to explain that. And I could figure that out in a paragraph or two. I didn't need the whole thing. Likewise, for literacy, students don't have to read the whole book. They might just access pieces of it to have in-depth conversations about concepts or ideas. If I want to know whether or not they can get the main idea of something, I'm focusing on a specific skill. So it's really about your knowledge. If, if content is king, the content is not the book. You know, it's not if, whether I've read the whole book. The content is, am I able to understand these skills at the grade level that they are indicated so that students are working at a grade level, not prior to, because I don't know how things articulate. You know, I remember the first time I walked into a fourth grade classroom because in my previous position, I, I worked in pre-K to 12. And I saw them working on a persuasive essay and I thought, what's the difference between a fourth grade classroom working on a persuasive essay and a ninth grade classroom working on a persuasive essay? And that's when it really hit me that it's not about what we think it's about. It's really how skillful are we at determining the different stages of what kids need to know wherever they are. And I wonder back to your pandemic point um, about that kind of you know, maybe a, a, an increased preponderance of teacher-directed instruction. I do think, I do think teachers, rightfully so to a degree, got felt f- feel like they didn't get to cover, quote unquote, cover what they should have yeah. during the pandemic, especially mm-hmm. at the set, especially at the high school level. Um, and so now, you know, they're really they're back in full gear in yeah. trying to get through everything they feel like they need to get through. Um, all right. It's kind of funny. The things that you think that I thought that COVID would get rid of, but yeah, or that that we would change and maybe it will change. I don't know. I think this book is going to change it. I agree. Sam, That would make me very happy because (laughs) the only reason that I wrote it was to try to help people who felt that way, you know, because I was listening to teachers throughout that, that year that you're talking about saying, I can't get through it. I can't get through it. I can't get through it. Right. Uh, you know, my, 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 this many hours a week have been cut down to a half hour right. and I don't know how to get through it. And that was a valid concern. And I, and right. I'm not saying that we can solve the whole problem, but then the answer became, okay, what's the most important thing that kids need to know right now to be able to move into next year? And how are you going to access right. that? And how are you going to focus on it? Yeah. All right. When we, when we get you back on the show, I'm, I'm really curious about this idea of engagement. We're going to have to, we, we need a part two, Mr. Siddons, because we I love have to it. talk more deeply about Ooh engagement but right now miriam um you are going to be subjected to a mr siddons quiz <laughs> i'm so excited so, here we go mr siddons are you ready i am i am i i can't let uh I, we've only let one guest go without a guest quiz and that was on me and i feel bad and i will never it? i will never let him let it happen again and they're um, and they're feeling Greg crew yeah, yeah 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 he was upset I was I was very upset with myself on that. So, uh, Miriam, uh, I did a Google search on your name. What what does it mean? Okay, so I I don't want to get get knocked down by people who know better than I do. But the name is Ukrainian. Uh, Miriam. 
Oh, I'm sorry. You're talking about my first name or my last yes, name? Yes, your Mir- first name. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. My first name, Miriam. Yes, how I can tell you about that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's that's in a language that I also know. That's in Hebrew. It yeah. um, means mar is bitter. Yam is sea. So I'm the sea of bitterness. <laughs> and my husband thinks that's quite apropos, actually. That's when we're funny. joking around, it's like, welcome to the sea of my bitterness. Well, um, our, our quiz is going to be, my quiz is going to be a little bit about what you can find in the sea, a lot of things you can find in the sea. So I did a quick Google search and it did not find a sea of bitterness, but it was rebellious. Oh, oh. oh no, my answer is accurate. That's not, that's not accurate. Well, then, <laughs> As you can see, I, I am rebellious. <laughs> that's right. That's, see, you, you fit that mold, but uh, I'm going to rebel a little bit and talk about uh, some interesting facts, not about Miriam, but about bacterium. <laughs> <laughs> That's so weird. It's quite the connection. Bacteria. Miriam's an English teacher. That's right. Well, let me enlighten you as a non-science teacher, but maybe Dr. Dodd can can back me up on this. Bacterium is a member of a large group of unicellular (laughs) microorganisms which have cell walls, but lack organelles and an organized nucleus. Is that right? Is that right, Dr. Dodd? Am I good? That that is is correct. Yeah. So I have, uh, if you could answer these two out of the three of these random facts about bacterium, you win. Uh, a sticker. We have stickers, right? Have stickers. I have stickers. Yeah. Oh, perfect. Well, I yeah. want a sticker, but I'm not going to win. Well, you're. Ooh, I think you'll be fine. I think you'll be fine. All right, ready? I'm nervous. Okay. <laughs> All right, number one. Bacteria has been on the planet for more than how many billion years, making them the oldest known life form on Earth? Is it well, a, a two point five billion, B three point five billion, or C four point five billion years old? Oh, that's the good one. Okay, so if I were my children, I would ask to, quote, search it up. I'm assuming I can't search it up. No. No, you don't have enough time. Not enough time. Not enough time. Okay, fine. I'm going, I'm going with the most extreme thing, the, the highest one. Oh, incorrect. It's actually 3.5. Uh, Choice B. Dang it. But you were close. You're off by one billion. <laughs> by one billion. <laughs> Only a billion years. Only a billion. All right, <laughs> you still have two more chances here. Here we go. Two, a bacterium can typically move about how many times its body length in a second? And to oh, put, it into, put it in perspective, a large fish like the ones that Dr. Dodd catches in, uh, in these strange places in West Virginia, Pennsylvania, can move <laughs> only about 10 times its body length in the same time. So is it A, 25, B, 50, or C, 100? I'm going to stick with my my bad strategy and go with the most extreme answer. That is correct. It's 100 times its body length in a second. I'm so excited and I I didn't earn it at all. You can do it. You can do it. That's a lot. The third one. Bacterium weren't discovered until 1674 when this Dutch scientist named, I'll share the names with you, spotted them as he was looking at scrapings from the human mouth under a newly invented microscope. All right, here, I'm going to. I'm going to chop up some Dutch names. A. <laughs> you have to it, do them in the accent. Okay. Is, is it A, Anthony van Leeuwenhoek? <laughs> is it B, Ren T. Hook? Or is it C, Vincent van Schoenhoek? <laughs> the first guy. Yeah, I agree. That is correct. Yeah, yes, yes, Mario. Anthony van Leeuwenhoek. <laughs> the way you had to say it, the fact that you were struggling with that last part, that's all I had to go on. And you win. You got two out of three. Nice work. You get a, you get a nice uh, brand new Ed's Not Dead sticker. I'll well, get I've it to been, you. I have been known to send people like 10 of them. Oh, well, there you yeah. go. I'll just send you a lot. Oh, that's it. awesome. And I'd like to I'd like to say that my my academic success in this case was not based on skill or knowledge. <laughs> 
<laughs> and there's a I lesson in that. that. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Thank All you right. for putting up with it. I appreciate it. <laughs> the book is Hover Less, Teach More by Miriam Platinsky. Miriam, we've loved having you on the show. Uh, you can get the book, I assume, right, Miriam, at, um, at www.miriamplatinsky.com. There's a link to uh, buying it on Amazon on my website. Yes. You okay. can get it anywhere books are sold. All right. Nice. And follow Miriam. I'll put the link in the, in the show notes as well. All right. Nice. Um, at Miriam Plo MCPS on Twitter. Miriam, it's been great to have you on the show. We'll get you back on, right. on behalf this of the guys. This was fun. Thank you for having me. Thank you for oh, quizzing me. I'm excited for my stickers. You. you did fantastic. <laughs> All right. Take care. All right. Thanks we'll a lot. talk to you soon. Right. Thank you. Welcome back to Ed's Not Dead. I am Robbie Dodd. I'm still joined by my co-hosts, C.H. Siddons and Peter Krabel. Uh, as always, we are brought to you by Ed's Not Dead Media, full-service educational media company specializing in leadership, instruction, and 21st century school reform. Thanks again to Miriam Platinsky. She was awesome. Another yes. assist to you, Mr. Cra- Mr. Siddons, for uh, booking her. Uh, Mr. Crabes almost got credit there. But never, <laughs> never booked a, a single job. guest. Uh, she, was, she was great, Casey. Yeah, she's great. She's super, super talented and uh, a really great teacher. Yeah. I, I, you know what? Whenever we have folks like Miriam on the show, I don't know about you all, but I always imagining her. I always imagine people like her teaching kids, and I'm always yep. like, okay, I can just see how amazing yep. she'd be. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 It's funny when you talk to people, you're like, oh, I see who you are as a teacher. Yes. I wonder if that's like a unique, <laughs> I mean, it's got to be like a uniquely education thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I totally see how your demeanor and this and that and how you deal with blah, blah, blah. I yeah. think when Sarah and I were first dating, we, we, we had outdoor education and uh, she came up to visit one time and she saw me like corral a hundred sixth graders. In a, in a matter of moment, like minutes. And she's like, uh, she had flashbacks of her own mom who, who taught middle school for many years. And then was also like, how did you do that? I was like, I don't know. I just counted down. I don't, know. I don't really know what I did. You could pull that off. There was yeah. also a night at outdoor ed where I had to send you into timeout. <laughs> that happens. That happens about every year. <laughs> I will say that. I think you had to go out and take a walk. In the yeah, that was a, that was a tough year. <laughs> oh, uh, Mr. Siddons, can you go find that stick over there in the woods yeah. for me? And I love, I love, Rob, right back. I love Robbie's mo too. He comes in like just strutting in from Starbucks, and we've been up there for like eighteen hour days for. Like, I'm like, hey kids, <laughs> what are you all mad about? <laughs> everything's fine we're good I uh, that is true i did well you know what i mean that comes with that comes with that comes with authority it does, <laughs> it does. i feel it it's funny after you, you guys had dick you're a grounding force days. yeah i know it's like you, you smell and like you're sweaty you haven't shaved uh all right all right. What do we have do we have a quiz mr Sims, we do have a quiz current quiz. events quiz and then we're going to end is, the is this the last episode of season five? No, it's not. We have several episodes left, I believe. Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> several yeah. episodes to back up on. Okay. Uh, and right. uh, so we're going to have, we have a quiz and then we have a, a, a we'll have some closure uh, in, ter- in the form of apologies, take backs and compliments. 
or okay. compliments. If you can give any of those. All right. Do we have to do the quiz? Can we um, just do apologies, take back and compliments? Uh, well, Crable, what I'm do you kidding, want to do? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Okay. <laughs> All right, Mr. Crable, you're actually up for the first three questions. You ready? Oh, I'm ready. Yes. This is the parallel, right. parallel quiz. Parallel right. quiz. The three questions universe. for Crabes. Yes. Three questions for Dodd. All, All right. right. Number one, President Biden made his first trip to Asia as president, step, stopping first in blank, mm. where he reaffirmed America's strong commitment to the country. Is it A, Japan, B, South Korea, or C, Taiwan? So easy. Oh, dude. Usually I'm up on current events. Uh, I am not on this one. I'm going to go with Japan. Correct. Oh, A is correct. So good. All right. It was nice Taiwan. Job. No, it wasn't. It was, it was stopping first. That's, that's, arguable. that's arguable. It is not <laughs> arguable. He stopped in, He's not going to stop in Taiwan first. That would be a, a diplomatic nightmare. That would be nightmare. a big... No, he, but he, you know what, he, he stated explicitly that the United States was prepared to intervene if if China... Yeah, but, but his but first stop it in was Japan. in Japan. <laughs> okay. He talked about Taiwan. Dr. Diz, different Okay, places. go ahead. Question number okay. two. Number Let's two, go. the CEO of Blank, whose recall of some baby formula brands helped cause a nationwide shortage apologize for their role in the crisis is it a abbott b mead johnson or c nestle usa i know this one because my dear wife bought a stock in this company after she noticed how they send you everything after you have a baby they find out all your personal information start sending you formula and that would be a abbott Ooh, and how's that stock doing all right number three labor party (laughs) leader i don't know I don't. Number three, and you're two for two so far. Three Labor Party leader Anthony Albanese became the new prime minister of blank after nine years of conservative rule in that country. Is it A, Australia, B, Canada, or C, Italia? Australia. That's right. Crikey. Three for three. Crikey. That is a knife. Crikey. All right. He got one on a banger there. Three for three. All right, Dr. Dizzle. Number one, the governor of blank declared a state of emergency after a powerful tornado tore through the town of Gaylord, killing two and injuring 44. Is it A, Oklahoma, B, Illinois, or C, Michigan? Uh, it would be A, Oklahoma. It's incorrect. It was oh, Michigan. Oh, oh sorry about tornado that. Tornado Alley, usually yeah. a winner. Oh, ah, but you didn't know what you were talking about. Didn't well, know he, about it there. I like how he was smiling when he was reading the question about a natural disaster. Oh, okay. Just, <laughs> this guy. Him. Number, number two. Thank God not we're not smiling. on television. No, I, he's lying, listeners. A face okay. made for radio. Number two, Victor Orban, the autocratic prime minister of blank, was the keynote speaker at the 2022 American Conservative Political Hungry. Action Conference. That is correct. C, Hungary. Well done, Dr. Dizzle. He's Number three. He's a friend of the Donald. He, he is. He is. Yes. He is making buddies with autocrats. That's great. Number three, two cases of blank, a viral disease originating in Africa that has seen recent outbreaks in Europe and Canada were confirmed in the U.S. for the first time this year. Is it A, West Nile, B, monkeypox, or C, yellow fever? That would be the monkeypox. That is correct. Monkeypox monkey is pox. correct. And with okay, two can we- out of... Can, can we have, can we have 
an extra question to see if I can tie Crable. A bonus round. All right, do you want a political, economic, oh, or judicial category. question? Oh, God, those are three hard. What about sports? He, he picked them from Trivial Pursuit. There's a sports one. Do never do sports. There is a sports <laughs> one. But, but am I giving you a sports question so you could tie Crable? Is that the whole you, point? You are. Well, Crable's yeah. good. Crable's good with Crable can can go toe-to-toe with me on sports. Well, there's just one question. Just, I'll, I'll All just right, give well, Robbie let's, one, let's, one question. Let's see. You want the sports one? All right. Yeah, get it, throw it Blank out. won the 2022 PGA Championship, <sighs> his second major victory. Are you, we got to come up with the name. Do you want choices? Don't, no, don't give him. Don't give him choices. No choices. Hold on, come hold on, on, hold on. One of the sports question doesn't even know the answer. Yeah, can, can I get can uh, I get some backup here? He's low. He beat in a playoff. Uh, 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 the dude uh, Will Zalatoris. Okay, you're looking. You're reading. I'm not. Right I, look at me. Look at me. I and I know look, the answer. Look, he knows the answer. Uh, Thomas, correct. First, Justin oh. Thomas. Oh, Doctor Diz. Well okay, done. With Justin no Thomas. choice. When I almost said, I almost said Dustin Thomas. But, <laughs> all right, but, but you could you could have said you could have said <laughs> Dustin Thomas. Dustin <laughs> Thomas. <laughs> all right. So we so we're 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 good. So I tied Crable. You're three for work? four, and Crable's three for three. So I don't okay. know. All right. Crable, you want another one to tie did, it up? Crable, did you know the answer to that question? Yeah, I did. Oh, okay. Well, the, I just told you the backup. I didn't know you covered gaff. I don't. I just I, I, I scan the sports pages. You follow and, it. Yeah, just sticks in my brain. Mm-hmm. All right, let's mm-hmm. go to what's the name of the next segment? Apologies, take backs, compliments. It's our okay. closure. Let's just right. end it. Um, yeah, I'll start. I would like to start with a take back. I feel a little bad. It's a take back slash apology. Oh. Uh, in the middle of the interview, when I called Mr. Siddons a control freak, oh, yeah, yeah. That, was, that, was, that was that was an uncharacteristic. Usually, crazy. it's it's Robert Dodd with the, the digs. Yeah, the digs. That was very, slightly uncomfortable very too. Yeah, I felt, slightly uncomfortable digs, and it makes me feel awkward. I uh, felt the need to actually step in. I know that's bad. And I would like to compliment the doctor. Nice guy. I would like to bad. send a, a compliment to Doctor Dodd for oh, to, for for defending me. In that in that situation, on air, nonetheless. And I will I will take back that I, you know, hit Crable with the overused that he doesn't know how to emote. He's, <laughs> yeah. yeah, he doesn't like get the credit that he deserves. And I'd like to compliment myself for writing that email. It was a yeah, very hard well, that email good. that I wrote to you. Okay, now you're good. well done, me. Well, <laughs> it was really good. It was a, it was a nice touch, very uh, nice touch. Classy. Yours, yours, yours is in your spam folder, Mister. I know. I, I'm going to search later after the pod. Well, you know what? You got on the back of Miriam's book, so you're that's not, true. That's you're true. not. You're not doing too bad. That's true. And I rescued Crable from a failed rock career. So I, I should I should get I should a, compl- get a compliment for that. That's true. That's a compliment. I well should done to you. Um, anyway, all right. Uh, is that it? Is that it? That's for it. That's apologies, it. compliments. Yeah. Backs. Until next time. All right, uh, fellas. It is uh, Memorial Day weekend. What do you have left on the three day weekend calendar? Mr. Krabs, I'm going to see you at the pool tomorrow. Yeah, living pool, the, living the pool suburban and, dream. Oh, dude, yes, yep. pool and barbecue. Yep, you know. Uh, so that's 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 it really for tomorrow. Just soak up the last of the long weekend, Mr. Siddons. What are you going to be doing? You got any projects? Or are you taking it easy? Taking it easy. Going to the pool tomorrow and a barbecue as well at our friend's house. Okay, well, that's it. Yeah, that's all it. Right. Oh yeah. 
All right. <laughs> All right, <laughs> listeners. Uh, I'd like sorry. to uh, take back What's Grable's uh, mocking of, of <laughs> our show. <laughs> take back for him. Sorry. Anyway, go ahead. What did he mock our show? <laughs> no, I'm just messing. It's fine. All right. You can find us. Uh, I think we still tweet at Ed's Not Dead PC on Twitter. And uh, there was a tweet this week oh. about the show. I didn't get oh, it. Oh, man. We for- Dude, we totally forgot. Oh, that. we didn't oh. Plug, plug my piece. Two, well, two things, really. So Casey wrote a blog okay. about I questioning. I- totally missed. We totally oh, 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 was that the tweet that I didn't read? Yeah. It was, it was good. I must say, it's one it of my favorite. Article. It's one of yeah. my faves. Okay. I'll read. I'll read it. Yeah. Great Sorry about that. About, yeah. Uh, better ways to question in students as opposed to, are there any questions? No? Great. Oh, that was it. Are there any questions? Yes. Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then the other thing, man, geez, all coming to me now. We also got placed on like a best of education list. Oh, no, no we did not. That's we exciting. Did. Yes, we did. And we haven't had a podcast since January. Yes. That's, that's, how, good that's a, how good we are. That's right. There were some, like, shockingly, there were some very good months in there, even without us putting that's uh, awesome. out new content. So well, I did have people asking when we we're coming back. So we got several people asking Today, about it. Right mm-hmm. now. Right now. Back. Listen. Right. Uh, Mr. Sitz, good job on the blog. I will read. Yes, I may, I thank may you. Read, I may read tonight while I watch Game Seven. It's a good one. Celtics I kept it abbreviated. I thought of Crable the whole time. I'm sure it is good. I'm, I have sure. ma- I have mad compliment compliment mad respect for how you find the time to do so many interesting things. Thanks. Yep. All right. Um, so is the is the is the blog is it on the website? It's not dead. Com. Sure is. All yep. right. All right. Um, as always, we are brought to you by Ed's Not Dead Media, full service educational media company specializing in leadership instruction and 21st century school reform. Once again, thank you to Miriam Platinsky. She was a great guest. Check out her book. Let's make sure I get this right. Teach more, hover less. You can find it at Amazon. For the fellas, Mr. Sids, Mr. Craves, great to see you. We'll see you soon. Thanks, everybody.